This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we are covering these parables, or continue to cover these parables that Jesus was teaching the crowds. And fortunately for us, Matthew, he, he, he wrote them down and it's been passed down to us throughout the ages in, in the Word of God. In the last three episodes, we have covered the parable of the sower, the parable of the farmer, where the farmer who is Jesus himself, he throws out seed, which we know is the Word of God, and it lands on all these different kinds of soils, which represents us, the crowd of people. You know, We still have the Word of God. The Word of God is still being sown. And 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 it's up to us. We're, we are one. We are one of those types of soul. We either accept Christ, reject Christ. People that accept Christ, do they continue with Christ? So on and so forth. Um, we talked about the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares, where we learned that we have one job as a follower of Christ, and that is to tell people about Jesus, to sow the seed in the field, and. And we are to let God take care of the harvest. It, it's not our responsibility to uh, to make people accept Christ. We can't do that. All we can do is sow the seed and give them that opportunity. And, and we can't look at people and say, yes, they're a Christian. No, they're not a Christian. We can't do that. We can't see into the hearts of people. Only God can do that. Yes, we can see their fruits. And their fruits tell a lot about them. But only God knows the heart. And it's up to God who's going to send out his angels, Jesus says, to gather the harvest. And they will separate the wheat from the tares when this is all over with. It's our responsibility as Christ followers, as workers for the kingdom of God, to tell people about Jesus and give them that opportunity to reject or accept Jesus. Uh, and then we talked about the parable of the mustard seed and how the mustard seed is a very small seed and how small things, they seem in- insignificant to many people. They they get overlooked. They they uh, they get passed by uh, because people think that, you know, if it's small, it's just insignificant. And, and kind of, you know, like uh, I was thinking this morning about how uh, before COVID, I used to uh, uh, pick up pennies and uh now i i really don't pick up pennies uh but if it's quarters you know if it's worth a lot more i'll pick it up i'll go ahead and pick it up you know and they say now you you, you got to be careful picking up if you see money like dollar bills you got to be careful because it could have fentanyl on it and and there's people dying from uh from picking up money they see laying on the ground where somebody has used that money uh to to take drugs with and if it's got fentanyl on it you know people are dying from it uh, and so uh, my point in saying that is I used to pick up pennies. Well, you know, a lot of people don't pick up pennies because it's only one cent. But a hundred of them, a hundred pennies makes a dollar. But since it's only a penny, we just pass by. We think it's insignificant because it's small. But if it's a quarter or half a dollar or a nickel or a dime, you know, if it's something shiny, it's worth a lot more. And so we'll pick it up. So people then, even when Jesus was walking the earth, they thought that it, many people thought that it, it was insignificant, and so 
they they really didn't uh, t- take Jesus for who he is. They've been looking for the Messiah all this time, and here he is standing before their very eyes. They could reach out and touch him. They could have a conversation with him. Uh, they see him doing all these miracles, even raising the dead, but yet they didn't believe him. They, they thought he was insignificant. They thought he was crazy. In matter of fact, they thought he was so crazy, they crucified him. They put him on a cross, and they killed him. Uh, but yet those who accepted Christ, those who accepted his teachings, those who followed him, he was the greatest thing that's ever happened in their life. And, and, and he is that seed that was planted that grew out, in, uh, that mustard seed that was planted in that field, and it grows tall. And Jesus said it grows taller than anything else in the field. And, and it stands out above the rest. Well, that, that's what happens when we accept Christ and we're living for Christ. He is the most important thing, and he's, he rises above everything in our lives. And when we allow Jesus to work in us and through us, hopefully he stands out above everything else when we are in contact with people in our everyday lives and they see Jesus working in us and through us and that they are attracted to Jesus. So that's the three parables that we've covered thus far. And in this episode of the Grounded Podcast, we're going to take a look at the parable of the yeast that's found in verses 33 through 35, where Matthew writes this. He says, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. That's the parable. And then Matthew goes on to say, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God has spoken through the prophet. It comes from Psalm 78, verse 2. And it says, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. But again, just like the all these parables in Matthew 13, and I think there's like two more that we're going to cover in this chapter in the next uh, podcast or two. But uh, the emphasis is on the kingdom of God. Jesus would say the kingdom of God is like, and he would go give these examples. Um, And if you think about what does yeast have to do with the kingdom of God? And and, and what this lady is doing is is she's baking bread. And, and, And these people that Jesus is talking to, this crowd, even us today, uh, when we're reading the Word of God and God is speaking to us through His Word, we've never seen heaven. These people have never been to heaven. I've never been to heaven. You've never been to heaven. Uh, they Heaven is where God resides. We're going there someday. Every person, even, even people who reject Jesus and never accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will be in heaven at some point. They're going to be rejected. They're going to be ousted. Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You workers of iniquity. Uh, and, and, and they'll be cast out of heaven for eternity, separated from God for eternity. But they're going to see heaven. And they're going to see what they're going to be missing for eternity. They're going to see Jesus. They're going to look Jesus right in the eyes. They're going to bow down before him. And they're going to confess him as Lord. And that's when Jesus is going to say, you got to go. Because we didn't have a relationship. You rejected me that whole time that you were living on earth and you had the opportunity. So everybody's going to get to see heaven, but not everybody's going to get to stay in heaven. But heaven is the place where God resides, and, and we haven't been there yet. But Jesus has. 
Jesus is God, right? He's God in the flesh. He was there in heaven before he came down to the earth and, and, and was born a, a baby from the Virgin Mary. God, or Jesus, was God in the flesh. He was with God before he came down to the earth. He has been with God for eternity. He was with God when everything was created in Genesis 1. He, he, he was uh, there all throughout the Old Testament. Um, Jesus has always been with God. All the way back for eternity. If, if, in, <clears throat> now that God has come in the flesh and that he has lived among man. And he's trying to give those people that he's speaking to when Matthew's pinning this down. And to us, he's trying to give us this idea of what heaven is like. Because he's been there. He got the t-shirt. He knows all about heaven. We don't. We don't know anything about it. So now that he's living among men, God in the flesh, he's got these crowds of people around him. All the time, he's trying to explain what heaven is like, what the kingdom of God is like, and what living uh, for God um, is like, and what what type of impact God can have in a person's Life And so he's using these parables, these little sayings, these little short stories, if you will, that uses everyday objects, things that people are very familiar with. I mean, every woman who heard this story would know uh, about yeast because yeast was uh, used a lot during this time. It's still used a lot today to, to bake bread. And he's using these things so that people can just get a glimpse to try to understand what it's what it's like to truly have God in your heart and how God can make an impact in our lives and what heaven is like and what heaven is going to be like someday. And this parable about uh, the yeast is a great one to show the, the huge impact. I can't even really begin to describe the impact that God can and will make in your life and my life if we if we will just accept him, walk with him, and live with him on live for him on a daily basis. So, and that's what we're going to talk about in this in, in this podcast today. And Jesus says this lady is making some bread. Now, I want to take a uh, I want to chase a rabbit here just for a second because I absolutely love bread. I love all kinds of bread, uh, biscuits and gravy. I live in the South. I was raised in the South. Biscuits and gravy is one of the greatest things that was ever created. It is so delicious. But I went to Mexico uh, way back in 1994 when I was 17 years old on a mission trip. And uh, we were about 8,000 feet up in the Sierra Madre Mountains in Guadalajara, Nuevo Leon, Mexico. And uh, we, we stayed at a place that sometimes had electricity and sometimes it didn't. And the village that we built the church in was just outside of that city where we were staying. And it was a very poor village. And people built houses with whatever they could find. You know, a sheet of tin, whatever they could find. Some wood. And we came across this one gentleman who had a little tin hut. But behind his tin hut, there was this huge dirt mound that he had, he had piled up a lot of dirt. And he dug a hole in that dirt mound. And, and it had a flame inside. It had a fire going in it. it. It was an oven. And he baked bread 
and that's how he made a living. And he only charged one peso. I mean, that's less than a penny. But he, he only charged one peso for this bread. And he would pull out the bread out of that dirt oven, out of that flame. And it looked like a hot dog bun. It's about the size of a hot dog bun, shaped like a hot dog bun. And, you know, here we are, you know, these rich Americans is what they're thinking. And we're buying this bread off this guy for a peso. It was absolutely the best bread that has ever touched my mouth. It was so good. It was so good that 33 years later, I'm still talking about that guy's bread. I've never forgotten that guy's bread. It was so good. Um, what does this story have to do with this parable? Absolutely nothing, because I don't know how the guy how the guy made the bread, but it was delicious. But I got to thinking about bread when Jesus said uh, when Jesus gave this parable, and we're, since we're talking about bread, and we're talking about yeast. I had to tell you that story about that bread. It was so good. But Jesus tells us this woman is making bread, and she uses three measures of flour, and uh, one one person's commentary I, I read about this passage is that uh this was enough bread to feed over a hundred people I, I i don't know about that but uh because he he was talking about how the the just a little bit of yeast with these three measures of flour uh i've never made bread before but we're going to talk about making bread here in just a second so I, I don't know how much three measures of flour uh is when it comes to making bread and i don't really know how much uh how many this would feed that this woman was making but none nonetheless um it was a lot of dough and it just took a little bit of yeast that is the whole point of jesus's parable um now i've never made homemade bread before um and so i checked out a website just to see how it was done and it, it, it seems interesting um the website is called uh, butter with a side of bread and according to this website, the only ingredients needed to make a delicious piping hot homemade bread is warm water, granulated sugar, instant or active dry yeast, salt, vegetable or canola oil, and flour. That's it, they say. And so uh, this person goes through steps of making the bread. Now, I just want to read these just real quick. It's, uh, it says step two, you dissolve the yeast and that's Jesus' parable, right? The yeast. So you dissolve the yeast and activate by proofing. Now, I don't know what proofing is. I thought proofing was something that, you know, like when I'm typing notes for my podcast, do I need to go back and proofread uh, my, my notes? Or when I'm typing a paper at school, you, you, you know, you, you, you proofread what you've, you've typed for your paper. But she says to dissolve the yeast and activate the yeast by proofing. But then uh, she says this simple process of proofing takes about five minutes. You can, and then she puts a picture on the website that you can take a look at. And she says you can see a picture below of what yeast looks like when it's proofed. It's possible to kill yeast if you use too hot of water. So aim for slightly warm than lukewarm uh, water or about 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Combine warm water, yeast, and one tablespoon of the granulated sugar in your mixing bowl. Give it a quick stir and then let it sit for five minutes. Then she says, you'll begin to see the yeast puff up until it covers the entire surface of water. So already you can see the yeast taking over. It's just been mixed in with some water. But the yeast begins to puff up until it covers the entire 
surface of water. So already before it's even put in the dough, you can you can kind of get the picture of what Jesus is saying here about this yeast and how it took over the whole even though it was just a little bit of yeast, it takes over the whole lump of dough. It's already covering the entire surface of water and it hadn't made it to the dough yet. Uh, step three, add remaining ingredients and mix. Add the rest of the sugar, the oil, salt and flour, and you can use all purpose flour or bread flour. Then mix using an electric mixer until it's combined about two minutes. You can mix by hand, but it will take longer. Step four, knead the bread. You may be thinking, wait, it's already mixed. Ha, not so fast. Going through the process of kneading bread dough is crucial for bread with great texture. Kneading dough allows gluten to form, which a lot of people can't have. Kneading dough allows gluten to form, which enables dough to rise better, be lighter and fluffier. You can knead by hand or with a mixer. Um, she says she uses a mixer for seven minutes. Uh, if you knead by hand, you have to wait 10 to 11 minutes, depending on how consistent you are. Uh, step five, first, this is the first rise of the bread, the dough. Place your lovely, smooth, elastic bread dough in an oil, oiled bowl and cover it with a plastic wrap or a clean towel. I think plastic wrap works better because it traps hot air inside and thus my dough rises a shorter first rise. Uh, be sure to spray the inside of the plastic wrap that will touch the dough with oil. If your house is cool, your bread will take longer to rise. In the wintertime, when my house is cooler than normal, I like to turn the oven on for two to three minutes, turn it off, and let the bowl of dough rise in the oven. The oven traps the heat for a long time, and it's perfect atmosphere for rising dough. Step six, punch dough and shape it. Pow, pow, pow. Uh, punching the dough down quickly releases any air pockets that have developed and helps your bread have a more consistent rise and texture, so you don't have air pockets in your, in your loaf of bread. Uh, shape your dough by rolling it gently into a ball and rolling it two or three times on the countertop so the ball is more oblong. I usually punch down and shape the dough quickly, then place it in a greased bread pan. Step seven. We just got one more step. Second rise. Yeah, first rise, second rise. I like to do my second rise in a warm oven that's not turned on. I turn the oven on just before I punch my dough down then turn it off once I place the dough in the oven for the second rise. It's really only on for a minute or two, which gets, gets the heat going, which is fine. The second rise will help shape your loaf of bread and it takes about 30 minutes. Step eight, and this is the last step. Bake the bread, duh. You're, uh, you're nearly there, she says. Bread bakes for about 30 to 40 minutes. You know, you know what I do to make sure my bread is perfectly cooked? I use a digital cooking thermometer and she says fully cooked bread will be 190 to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Bread recipes that include milk will need to cook until 200 degrees, but since this one doesn't, I take it out once it reaches 190 degrees. The top will be golden brown. And that's it. That's what she says about making bread. And, and, and I added, pull that loaf right out of the hot oven and slap a big old glob of butter on it and enjoy that fresh homemade bread i have to try that sometime because i like i said i love bread but you but but the reason why i went through those steps is because uh what she says about the yeast and she says uh, uh first of all she says be careful how you mix the yeast because you can kill the yeast and that that's interesting that, that she says that you can kill the yeast because jesus talked about in in, in the parable of, of of the sower about the the first soil is uh, when the seed is sown and the birds come in and eat the seed, he talks about how that the, the 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 word of God is the seed and how it it goes into people's hearts. But uh, 
that that seed is killed because the enemy comes in and and takes it away quickly before it has time to germinate and root. Um, and she's it's interesting that she says that because we're talking about how Jesus comes into somebody's life and makes a, a huge impact. How God and His Word, how it enters into our lives and 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 it shapes and changes us. It molds us in, into the image of Christ. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but. Uh, but there is an enemy out there who wants to destroy our faith. We're trying to grow our faith, right? And, and But there's an enemy out there who discourages us and comes against us with everything that he has with these fiery darts Paul talks about in Ephesians 6 and 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 how uh, he wants to destroy us. There's, he says uh, the enemy is like a roaring lion. Uh, he, he walks around... Um, he seeking whom he may devour. He 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 wants to destroy everything that God wants us to have. He does not want us going to heaven. He does not want us to be with Jesus for eternity. He wants us to be with him in hell for eternity. So uh, he he's trying to to kill our faith. And so here here's this lady saying that this yeast. And that's what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this yeast that was put in all this flour to make dough, and it, it permeated throughout the whole lump of dough. And this woman says, you can kill the yeast by, by mixing it wrong. And so we, it's a good lesson for us because we have to be careful. You know, there's a song we learned as a kid, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear. And, and it, that's so true. We... We need to be filling our lives with the Word of God. We it is so this this Bible, the Word of God, it, it, it is so important. And if our lives literally depend on it, our lives literally depend on what Jesus says. And we're we're going to talk about this in this podcast it, because how can you how can you live for Jesus if you don't know Jesus? You know, and, and that's the thing. People want salvation. People. Some people want salvation. Some people want to go to heaven, but yet they don't want to do the things it takes to get there. They think, "Well, I'll just ask God to forgive me. I'll be washed in the blood of Jesus, and you know, and I'll just go and you know live the way I want to." And it doesn't work that way. There, there's a there's a there's a there's a difference between Savior and Lord. And when when Jesus is Lord of our lives, that means that Jesus has full control of our lives, and that we're living that we are striving on a daily basis to be like Jesus. Yeah, we may make mistakes and we're going to make mistakes. But we ask for forgiveness and we get up and we and we start over again. We keep well we don't start over, but we keep going. We we just don't don't stop. And and so um it's interesting that she said that about killing the yeast, not to be careful, you know, to be careful about killing the yeast. But she also said how the yeast uh, it, it begins to, to start doing its thing and then it just covers all the water uh, that it's mixed in and then you put it in the dough and Jesus says that just a little bit of yeast just a little bit of yeast it permeates throughout the whole uh, glob of, of dough what, what what does yeast do? Yeast, you know I, I, I don't know anything about making bread I, I know I love to eat it but I, I, I don't know anything about making it but i do know that if you don't put yeast in bread the bread will be flat it's not going to rise it'd be like a tortilla or like what's that pita bread or whatever you know it's just flat bread and 
if you think about yeast, many times in the Bible, yeast is used to illustrate sin, actually. Uh, it's called leaven and how uh, sin affects our spiritual lives and our walk with Christ, such as what Paul says in Galatians 5, 9, when he says a little leaven or a little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough. In other words, a little bit of sin, it'll destroy our faith. It'll, it'll destroy our walk with Christ because we get discouraged. And, and people, we see this all the time. The, uh, the enemy comes in with these temptations. We fall for the temptations and far too often people just give up and they, they quit walking with Jesus. And again, I go back to something I said uh, uh, in the parable, of the, when we were talking about the parable of the sower. Uh, people say, well, they would never say to begin with. That's, that's not true. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says in that parable that people fall away. And we see this all the time. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to fall away. And so he does everything that he can to discourage us from following Christ. And that's why I do this podcast, because I want to encourage you, encourage others to, to yeah, you, you're going to sin. You're going to fall short of the glory of God. But that, that's, the, that, that's where grace and mercy come in, and the blood of Jesus washes those sins away. And don't stop. Don't give up. Just because you fail once or twice or a hundred times, you keep striving to be more and more like Jesus. And so uh, this sin, like Paul says, sin, it leavens the whole lump of dough. But in this parable, Jesus uses yeast in a positive way. Now, keep in mind that he's using things that people are familiar with, right? And he's trying to get them to understand what the kingdom of God is like. And as much as I love bread... And I've talked about bread and how to make bread. Jesus, he doesn't use the bread to point out the kingdom of God. He uses the yeast that goes inside the dough to point out what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I want to reread what he said. And this is the parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast, not the bread. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So, in other words, she used a lot of flour, but it was just a little bit of yeast that was the catalyst, if you will, to make the bread uh, and make it rise. And it only took a little bit of yeast. And that little bit of yeast, it permeated, uh, it invaded, it infiltrated, if you will, uh, that dough it, uh that big batch of dough, and it, and it permeated in so much that that whole clump of dough arose into to this beautiful, piping hot loaf of homemade bread. Not just the spot where, uh, you know, just say if, 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 if this was a loaf of bread and I took the, 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 uh, the uh, yeast and I put it over here in this corner. Well, this, this corner of the dough didn't just rise that yeast permeates it spreads all throughout the dough and then all the dough rises and we have a loaf of bread well this is what happens when jesus affects someone's life this is what happens when somebody gives their life to christ and and here's the key dies to their self and paul talks about this uh, Paul talks about it being a, a, a death, if you will, in Romans chapter 6, how when someone is baptized into Christ, they're put into a watery grave, you know, signifying a death. And you've been buried with Jesus. 
and and the old man passes away and 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 when they come up out of that watery grave that watery tomb it's like the resurrection when jesus walked out of the tomb they become a new creation in christ and they're they're filled with the holy spirit and the holy spirit doesn't just come for a visit he he comes in and he makes his home within our hearts. And who does Jesus say the Holy Spirit is? He says, he tells his disciples in John 14, it's John 14 or John 16, I think it's John 14. He talks the Holy Spirit in those two chapters. But he says, me and my Father will come in and make our home in you. That's why he tells the disciples. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. It's God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit living inside our hearts. Just like he lived in the temple in the Old Testament, we are now the temple of God, and He lives in us. And when God lives in us, guess what? He takes over, not just our hearts, but He takes over everything about our bodies. He literally permeates our bodies like yeast in dough. And just like the yeast that causes this dough to rise, it affects the whole lump of dough, right? Jesus affects everything about us, the way we think, the way we act, the way we talk. Because our focus now, since Jesus is living inside our hearts, our focus is taking off our selfish wants, our selfish desires, and now we are focusing on what God desires. And we we strive to become more like Jesus. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 2, chapter 2, verse 5, he says, you got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had and he goes on to talk about how Christ left Jesus left heaven and he humbled himself and became he become a or became a servant and and Jesus talked about being a servant you know it, it you know the selfish you could see the, you could really see it in the disciples how you know they wanted to be first like uh, James and John had their mom Salome come and talk to Jesus about being sitting at his right hand and left hand when he comes into his kingdom and and, and, and that's the selfish nature of, of human beings. We're just selfish people. And Jesus says, you know, you don't, you, you got to get rid of that selfishness and you got to, you, you got to have my attitude. And, and, and what was Jesus's attitude? It's kind of like the time when the Pharisees entered the room and they were all jockeying for position and, and, and they would try to get into the place of honor and, and, and somebody else that had higher accolades than this one that was in the place of honor he would have to get up and move because somebody that came in had higher accolades and was way up more on the social ladder than, than he was. So he would have to get up and move and that person would get the seat of honor. And it, this, this just kept going on and on and on as people come into the room and they would jockey position. And Jesus says, look, just go sit at the, at the foot of the table to begin with. And that just shows you 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 wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to get up and move and be humiliated. And that just goes to show the attitude of Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples over and over again, if you want to be first, you got to be last. And he even displayed this when uh, when he took his, um, it, it, on the night that he was going to be betrayed, and they had the last Passover with his disciples. And Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him, was there when this happened. Jesus takes off the towel, or, or takes off his uh, cloak, and he puts a towel around him, and he begins to wash the, the disciples' feet. That's something a slave would do. That's something a servant would do. And so Jesus modeled this. What He modeled everything that he taught for us. He gave us the example. And Paul says, you've got to have this attitude that Jesus had. 
And that's what happens when Jesus comes into our hearts. We strive to be more and more like Jesus. It's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. Sometimes it does now. Sometimes people's lives are just radically changed. And praise God for that. But for most people, it happens over a period of time. We're saved, but we're, we're, we're... you know, there's there's a lot of things that in our lives that God has to chip away at and 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 do away with, like a, you know, chi- you know, like a he chisels away the stone, the sculpture, and in the and the sculpture is not finished until you know he the 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 artist gets through chiseling. Well, God's the artist, and he's chiseling away, and he chisels away all over time. The skit guys has a a really good. I, I don't know the name of it. You could you could Google or you get on YouTube and look up skit guys. Um, um, the um, but the chiseling of the uh, where God chisels stuff away from our lives. It's a really good skit. Uh, it's got a great lesson. But if you think about uh, Jesus coming into somebody's life and it changes our lives, and we're we're striving to be like Jesus. When that happens, when we when we become uh, a Christian, when we give our lives to Jesus, we don't want to live a life of sin anymore because. We have been taken by God Himself from a kingdom of darkness. This is Colossians 1.13. We've been taken from a kingdom of God uh, of darkness, like the claws come down, and, and we're transferred into the kingdom of light. You know, you put the quarter in the machine or a dollar, however much it is, and the claw comes down and picks something up and brings it over here and pops it in the hole, and you get your prize. That's exactly what this verse is saying. That that's the Greek in, in this passage in Colossians 1.13. God has reached down, he's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us over into the kingdom of his dear son, into the kingdom of light. Therefore, we want to be pleasing to God, and we want to be uh, become more like Jesus. Paul says it best in Galatians 2.20, when he says, My old self, and this is a guy who used to kill Christians. He used to persecute Christians. And, and have them put in prison, and they would be killed and stoned. Uh, he watched Stephen being stoned, uh, the first martyr of, of the, the Christian faith. Um, but Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. That's, there's your death right there. When I came to Christ, I died. And I'll explain that in just a second. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not living anymore. My selfish desires have been crucified with Jesus. And now that I I have been baptized into Christ, I've been filled with this Holy Spirit, God is living inside of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. My old self is gone. He's been put to death with Christ on the cross. I've been crucified with Christ. And it's it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is exactly what Jesus demands of us in Luke 9.23 when he says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be a, my follower, if you want to follow me, Jesus says, here's what you've got to do. You must. It's not. It, 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 Jesus ain't suggesting this. He is demanding this. He says, you must give up your own way in other words take your selfish wants and desires and get rid of them and that's what paul says he did he said my old self's been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ lives in me and jesus says if you want to be my follower 
You must give up your own way. In other words, you got to live God's way. And then he says, you got to take up your cross daily. Well, what did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? My old self's been crucified with Christ. In other words, Paul says, I died. That, that, that Pharisee who was very knowledgeable about the word of God, who thought was doing God uh, justice by going around and, and killing Christians, dragging men and women out of their homes, busting up these families. He said, I thought I was doing right by God. But I was absolutely wrong. He says, this old, th- that old man is dead and buried with Jesus. And that's what Jesus says to us. If you want to be my follower, you got to give up your own way. Paul, you're, that's wrong. Because Jesus said, when he knocked him off that horse on the road to Damascus, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting these people who follow me? He says, you're persecuting me. And, and, and Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are, you are persecuting. Now, get up, because I'm fixing to make your life different. And boy, did he ever. And he became one of the greatest uh, preachers that, that's ever been known. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You're talking about uh, uh, yeast permeating dough. Man, when Jesus permeated uh, Saul's life and he changed his name to Paul, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he's the greatest missionary that's ever been known. Uh, he goes into these Gentile uh, cities and, and villages and, and preaches Jesus. He starts all these churches in these Gentile cities. It, 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 it's amazing the impact that Jesus had in, in Saul's life, or Paul, uh, he, where he had changed his name to Paul. And he does the same thing for us. But we have to let him. That's the thing. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. you got to live God's way. He says, take up your cross daily, Jesus says. Take up your cross daily. You die to yourself, which Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. you got to die daily. And that's what Paul says, I die daily. And then Jesus says, follow me. And if, if we're following Jesus, guess who's in the lead? Jesus, not us. Jesus wants to be and he must be our guide. He must be our leader because he wants control of our lives. And see, this is where this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where why a lot of people will not follow Jesus is because we cannot let go of the steering wheel. We cannot let go of control of our lives. Um, my wife was just making fun of me this week. My daughter is uh, 15 years old. I just bought her a Mini Cooper. My wife was making fun of me because she always she taught both my boys to drive because I, I was scared to get in the car with them. Uh, because uh, and, and she was saying you're not you're not going to uh, teach her how to drive, are you? I said no. You're going to have to do it. And and so she's been teaching her how to drive. And the reason why I'm scared to get in the car with her is because hey, I know she doesn't know how to drive. She's learning how to drive. And I don't have control of the wheel. And and they was driving around the mall parking lot the other day, and they come home and they tell me the story that uh, uh, my daughter was driving, and there was a guy, they called him Santa Claus because they said when they saw him in the car, they looked up and they saw him, and, and he looked like Santa Claus. Uh, but he was driving this little small car, and my daughter goes to pull out onto the road and he's coming 
Well, some, I don't know if the, the way the gas pedal was in, in her uh, floor mat had gotten in the way or something, so she couldn't press the gas down far enough, and, and so she couldn't get the car going fast enough, and the guy almost hit her because she, she pulled out in front of him. And, and, and my wife was saying how, how she just leaned back and was grabbing the, the, the top of the car and the, pushing against the, the dashboard and everything. And, and, and um, it's because she didn't have control. And she just knew there was fixing to be this, this great big impact. And see, that, that's, that's what a, a lot of people are like me. I, I don't get in the car with my kids because I don't have control of the steering wheel. And, and, and so a lot of people cannot give up control of their lives. They, they don't want yeast in their dough. They, they, they don't want God infiltrating their lives. They don't want God telling them what to do or how to live. And so they would r- rather remain flat like a tortilla. Now, let me ask you a question as we end today's podcast. What's better tasting, a flat tortilla or a fresh piece of baked homemade bread in my opinion a fresh piece of bread is way better than a flat almost tasteless tortilla unless you get the corn tortilla but i'm talking about flour tortillas and without jesus permeating our dough no matter how great we think our lives are guess what your life is plain without jesus it's flat and it's boring. Oh, you may do a lot of stuff, and you may have a lot of things, and you may have a lot of money, but without Jesus, you don't have anything. Without the yeast permeating your life, you have nothing. That's why Jesus says, "Who would gain the whole world and yet lose their soul?" Why would? Why? I mean, this stuff is temporary. It, it's going to disappear. It, it, it's. It's going to be gone someday. We can't take it with us when we die. And when we die, the only thing that matters is if we have that yeast in our dough. That we have let God impact our life. And that we are striving on a daily basis to be more and more like Jesus. That when we take our last breath on this earth, and we take our first breath in eternity, the only thing that's going to matter is, as if Jesus Christ is in our life or not. And if he's not, then we will be separated from God for eternity, never to have a second opportunity. Why would anybody not want yeast in their dough? God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And I'm going to say this. Life is way better when Jesus is a part of it. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.